Hello again. Welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast. My name is James Paniki. I'm senior editor here at MLEX's Asia Bureau, and it's great to have your company. Now, if you thought that the life of an academic was all about a linear, slightly uneventful career path, then you haven't been following the vicissitudes of Fiona Scott Morton. The American academic had accepted a key role as chief economist with the European Commission's antitrust department, a role she was eminently qualified for. Then the political backlash with the European Union began. There was the issue of her being an American. There were also concerns about her earlier work as a consultant for big tech. It all added up to a headache for EU Competition Commissioner Margrethe Vestager. And now we're recording this podcast on the Wednesday morning Brussels time and news of Professor Scott Morton's decision to withdraw from the role she had already accepted has just come through. So I've scrambled to pin down two MLEX journalists in Brussels to walk us through what all of this means. Natalie McNeilis is a senior correspondent covering M&A. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-at-large. Both of them are familiar with the controversy and both of them are with me right now. So... Uh, Lewis, for those foreign listeners just hearing about this for the first time, take us back to where it all began and maybe walk us through how things panned out. Well, James, this goes back to a job which not many people even know know exists. It's um, chief um, economist at DG Competition, that's the European Commission's antitrust arm. And one of the senior jobs there is uh, is a number cruncher, chief economist. And it's their job to give advice on cases. So, for example... The commission will be looking at a merger between X and Y and the economist will be asked to present um, a paper findings on whether or not prices will go up or down. That's obviously an economic thing rather than a, a legal thing. And so it's an influential job, but doesn't take any decisions. It's 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 not a, um, a front line job. It's it's one of the voices in the mix when the European Commission, an important voice in the mix when the European Commission takes decisions. So this has been held, uh, it's usually held for three years, extended for two. Uh, it's been held uh, essentially by men since um, it's been uh, set up about uh, 20 years ago. And uh, the new um, chief economist uh, is set to be, or was set to be as of the 1st of September, an American economist called Professor Fiona Scott Morton. She has a, a CV which, you know, have your have your eyes popping out your head. She worked um, in the Obama administration's uh, U.S. enforcement agency. She's um, worked for Ivy League or is at Ivy League universities. She's done consulting work for some of the world's largest companies. Um, She's a a strong uh, character, if you've seen her at um, uh, at conferences. And uh, she is seen by a lot of other economists. Indeed, uh, 39 of them signed a letter this week as top of her trade. And so she got the job. She would be the first first woman uh, to do the job. But there are two other issues in there. Um, one is that she um, would be the first non-European to do the job. And two, that she um, has worked uh, for big tech before in a consulting capacity. It's quite normal for US academics and indeed European academics to do their research on the one side and then write uh, uh, papers and give advice to to big tech companies or any companies actually sorry on the other and hers include microsoft apple amazon pfizer companies like this what happened was uh, uh back in march the commission published the job ad uh, and they removed the usual clause which says must be european 
And they removed that um, in order that um, the commission says you get the broadest um, pool of, of talent. Opponents say it was a stitch up. Uh, the commission wanted to get uh, Fiona Scott Morton. So she was appointed uh, in, in mid-July, uh, which triggered a lot of opprobrium, initially from French ministers and then also from the European Parliament, who said, again, these two main points. One, couldn't we have found a European? Should we let a, U- a, a US citizen in? What about security clearances? You know, she's a US tech lobbyist in disguise. Uh, that was their, their first argument. And their second argument was... Surely, having worked before for these tech companies and tech being the, 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 the lion's share of the job, she'll be conflicted from doing the most important part of, of, of the job. The pressure mounted, the pressure mounted. The Commissioner Vestaya had to go and defend her. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, President of France, kicked off. And then um, on the morning of the 19th of July, Fiona Scott Wharton withdrew her application because she's got the job already, but she said she wouldn't take up the job. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. She has an eye-popping CV. She's not from the European Union. She's uh, American, possible conflicts of interest. Where to start? Uh, uh, Natalie, what do you think, as an American working in the European institutions yourself, is her being an American part of the discussion here, do you think? Well, I think it's it's, uh, partly that she's American. I think it's just partly that she's not uh, European. I mean, I think in a sense, the way I look at it is I, I know that Fiona Scott Morton is uh, a, an, an incredible economist, you know, well respected across the board. And I think that from Vestaire's point of view, she was she was very familiar with uh, Scott Morton because she had worked with her and seen her in many different contexts in, uh, in seminars and, and panels. And I think that she just genuinely thought that that Scott Morton was the best uh, for the job, and I think she felt like she was getting you know someone really blue chip. And so I think that it's kind of um, in a sense it's a pity to see a woman with such an incredible uh, resume not get this opportunity. I think that from the Europeans' point of view, though, it says, look, you know, we have uh, economists too who are also of the same caliber and even better. And uh, it's just not right that we don't give one of our own this position. And also it's just, you know, a a question of um, reciprocity. They say, I mean, who, what other country is going to take one of these key uh, pivotal positions and give it to a non-national. Mm. Well, was there an element of political naivete on the part of Vestaya and whoever advised her on this? I mean, this was never really going to fly, particularly with the French, right? I mean, I think it's funny. In a sense, we reported on this already back in uh, May, and there just wasn't there wasn't much uh, reaction. I mean, uh, we saw some reaction. It's just this got to a fevered pitch just in the ma- in the past days. Okay, let's talk about the conflicts of interest then, Lewis. You mentioned her previous work with uh, big tech. Is that, given everything that we know about how economists work, is that should that be held against her or should that be held in a way in her favour in the sense that she understands how the industry works? Well, look, James, you know, ideas, the revolving door is a, is a really, really difficult political debate for the Commission. They um, are continually under pressure to say that they are putting in place um, strong conflicts of interest rules for people going in and people coming out. 
um, of the institutions and so forth, and they basically can never make everyone happy with it. The Commission, and indeed all public institutions, need expertise from outside. But at the same time, civil society also needs to know that what they would call the nefarious interests of, of big business are not uh, uh, seeping into the fabric of um, enforcement and uh, of the institution. So it's really, 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 really difficult. And Fiona Scott-Morton has become a vehicle for that debate. So that debate is, you know, has been gathering um, momentum in the past years in, in, in Brussels. So... Let's break it down. I mean, she has specific conflicts of interest and the commit, as have all um, uh, competition economists in the past. And, you know, Vestar argued uh, to MEPs that, look, we just handle these in the usual ways. If you've worked for anyone in the last year, you're blocked from doing cases um, involving them. You know, there are further blocks for working on cases that might involve that company for, 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 for two years. Um, so there are systems in place, but the systems don't make uh, the European Parliament or, or some French ministers happy. They demand more. The European Parliament uh, has been demanding a whole list of all the companies that she worked for. And, you know, the Commission says, well, we can't give you that because of, you know, HR rules on disclosing what, what you know, what, what individuals have been up to. If you boil it down, she worked for Microsoft, Apple and Amazon. That's three of the big five that is, no one's worked for the, all of the big five. It's impossible. Um, maybe if you did, you got some sort of commemorative, you know, set of coffee cups. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it's impossible to work for all, all of the big five, I think. But working on for three of them, conflicting potentially her out of a really big chunk of work is 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 a big deal. Now, Commissioner Best, Commissioner Bestar played that down before the European Parliament said this is wrong. They're narrow. Should be able to contribute fully to uh, the. Digital Markets Act uh, and so forth, but there a lot of people in private practice point to her past work. I mean, she's working, for example, she's given an legal opinion, sort of an economic opinion, on the Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger at the moment, which is one of the big mergers of the moment. And you know, some people would say what she's saying in that opinion is not exactly what the European Commission thinks. So the issue of conflicts is narrow about her, but it's also a much, much bigger story. It goes to corporate interests in the European Commission. I think the precedent that you have here is that if such uh, hullabaloo arises around uh, this kind of appointment, what does it mean for other people going into other jobs? You know, as I said, the rank is an important job. It's not massively senior, though. And if you set this kind of precedent for that, then some in the European Commission would say that's a dangerous precedent. At the same time, others outside would say, look, this is the topic of the moment. One, tech regulation and two, sovereignty, you know, i.e. autonomy, national interests. And uh, if the commissioner and the commission didn't see this coming, then that's, as you said, naive. Natalie, Lewis, you both have eye-popping CVs. You'd always be welcome to join my cabinet, whatever your citizenship status. Thank you for talking to me today. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-at-large. Natalie McNeilis is our senior reporter covering M&A, and they were both joining us from Brussels. And I should clarify that when I said to Natalie that she was an American working in the EU institutions, obviously I meant working around the EU institutions. I wouldn't want to impugn MLEX's hard-earned reputation for complete independence. I should also say that our Brussels team has written the 
definitive analysis of the Scott Morton affair. It's online, it's out from the paywall, and it's ready for you to read and enjoy. There's a website address that is your one-stop shop of regulatory news. It is as follows, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. There's a tab called News Hub, and it contains the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. And we'll be back next week ahead of a short break to mark the Northern Hemisphere summer, something that we can only dream of here in the LexisNexis offices in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is presented and produced by me, James Paniki. Our uncompromising marketing team in London gets the audio into your headphones every week and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. Thank you for your company today. Let's catch up again next week. Have a great weekend. Bye for now.